For all of you who listen to Submersion and own an Android device, go to the Google Play Store and download the Podcast Republic app. It's a fantastic app that allows you to get all of your favorite podcasts directly on your Android device. I personally use the app and I love it. I can search for the podcast I want to listen to, select it as a favorite, and have it just a click away. Make sure you select Submersion as a favorite so you don't miss any of our new episodes every Thursday. Again, the app is the Podcast Republic app, available on Android devices. Episode 99. What? Whoa. What? What? Holy that's, cow. That's a lot. It's a lot of episodes. It's a lot of episodes. Who thought we'd be here, boys? Nobody. No, hell no. When, nine, when 98 us. came out, then Animal Crossing came out, I'm like, oh, that's it. It's done. It's over. <laughs> it is done. And that is honestly the reason why you're not getting this episode on time. Animal Crossing happened. I apologize. I don't. It's not because the pandemic. <laughs> it's not because half of America is shut down. It's not because New York is like the apocalypse right now. It is because Animal Crossing launched. Pretty accurate with your descriptive of New York, though, right there, Kyle. <laughs> it's it's insane. I was watching the news tonight, and they are renting like refrigerated trucks to put bodies of the deceased in because there's so many. And the federal government is trying to say that it's not nearly as bad as we expected. Blah 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 blah. Hey, no. business is going to be open by April, right? That's what Trump said. <laughs> so yeah, we're good. I don't know. Don't know what to believe. Sure as no, not believing him. <laughs> I I think I tend to agree with that. <laughs> Timeline seems a bit aggressive, but <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. J- Jamie, you're a resident scientist. Is this a hoax? This is not a hoax. Okay, it's not a hoax, but also we got to keep our spirits up, keep on doing what everyone's doing, trying to try fight back by you know staying safe, staying secluded, and just listen to the sweet dulcet tones of Kyle and me Animal and everyone, Crossing. and playing Animal Crossing <laughs> and watching submarine movies. <laughs> Stick in your house. You know what? Check out maybe Wolf's Call. That was a pretty good one. Find Torpedo for us and send it to us. Maybe do that. Wolf's Call and The Command, very two very good movies, I thought. Yeah. Available you know, right now on Netflix. Is Phantom still available on Netflix? Check it out. No, it is what? not. What? In these trying times. Would you they like to get an egg during these trying times? <laughs> <laughs> Always sunny reference. Oh, there it is. But anyways, that's my resident science take is stay inside. Just enjoy it a little bit. Look at your loved ones say, hey, honey. Love you, Danzig. And then Danzig will be like, well, I declare. Right? I do declare, declare, Jamie. There has been a murder down in Savannah. (laughs) Wow. Office reference. I did not know Danzig was Southern now, but. Mm -mm. She's a very fine Southern gentleman. Yeah, she was always Southern. Don't you remember the last time Danzig came on the show? She said, I do declare. And she was all like flirting with Brom. And I was like, hey, step off. I do oh, declare. That's why you're at that marriage counseling. Declare yeah, me, Danzig <laughs> was all over Brum, and it was embarrassing. Let me just tell you that. Mm. I was embarrassed for hmm. <laughs> Goodness. Um, but anyways, you know. Anyways, you know, we'll just keep rambling until we get an alarm over here. Uh, something like that. Goodbye, guys. Oh. <laughs> guys.
What began as an innocent conversation among friends would soon spiral out of control and later be referred to by future generations as the eighth wonder of the modern world. Mac East Studios takes you on the journey of your lifetime as your captains, Alex the Mustard Man, the artist formerly known as Brom, Jamie the Ointment, Kyle El Capitan, and Zach the Backbone present Submersion. What, Brom, what did, what did we watch this week? All right, filling in for Alex, who said he will be back for episode 100. Um... Unfortunately, he is on the battlefield serving our great nation uh, and the fields of Tarkov. This week, though, however, for episode 99, nothing too special, but uh, something that you guys can watch from 2019 is the film Midway. Our boy, our guy, Alex's this is a, guy, actually. Uh, this is a Roland Which Emmerich film. surprised me. Roland yeah, that surprised me why Alex is not on. And just for anybody who doesn't know what Brom's talking about, Alex is not actually at war. I can't imagine him defending us, but he's out there virtually <laughs> doing something. Alex would uh, be a conscientious dissenter or whatever it's called. Objector? Objector. Dissenter. <laughs> he dissents. Conscientious deserter. Deserter, sure. Something along those lines. One of those things. But yeah, his yes. boy, Roland Emmerich of uh, ID4 fame. I know. What else did he do? Kidding me? ID4? Yeah. 2012? Two? Day After Tomorrow? The Patriot. Patriot? Yeah. Okay. Wait, he did The Patriot? He did. Did he, he start? He originally was wanting... So this is... Okay, so Midway was... this. He wanted to make this 20 years ago, but the studios didn't... They said no. So that's why he yeah. did The Patriot instead. Yeah, and I was, and I was, it was interesting because me and my brother, I did have Patrick watch this just in case we were low on hosts. And I was like, you have to come out of retirement. And he'd be like, I'm too old for this shit. And, but I'd force him to come out of retirement. And, uh, we were discussing kind of what we thought or why we thought the film was how it is. And we'll get into kind of like maybe some of the critiques of it, but it seemed very quick given how yeah. much time it spent, like how much time it spans and how many events occur. And he was short, saying, do you think it was short th- little tableaus is kind of how I, yeah. And felt. so we were like, Oh, was it a three hour film that he cut down to two? And, and I was kind of saying, well, maybe he just got hired to bring in a movie and not have it be like a Pearl Harbor and we we were speculating about how like, oh, well, he, I mean, he's never really made a very long film. He usually makes films that come in around this time and around this money and stuff like that. But then when I was reading the trivia, he was like super invested in this. He's been trying to make it for a long, long time. Yeah. It's interesting, yeah. honestly. Yeah. So I guess I wouldn't be necessarily, because he used to, I mean, when he first tried to get this made, he had a bigger budget than he ended up having this time. Like he tried to like, get it made. I feel like for this movie gets made like every 15, 20 years, though. Like as technology evolves. I mean, you can go look back at Pearl Harbor. You got things like Tora, Tora, Tora. I mean, there's a slew of these movies. Well, it's weird too because Pearl Harbor, even in whatever, whenever it was made, what was it, two thousand one or something like that? Yeah. Those dollars, it it costs more just raw regular dollars than it costs to make this movie. Um. So with technology going up and up, you can make something that's pr- of pretty large scale. For something for an amount of money that seems very small, he made this for a hundred million dollars, which yeah. seems tiny. Oh, really? Yeah. For in 2019, yeah. Like I'm surprised you'd see like a major World World War II movie in 2019 with only a hundred million dollar budget. Yeah. 
And especially with the actors we've got in here. So we've got Ed Screen is our leading man, Dick Best. Yeah. Ricky, no, sorry. And you should call him by his real name. name. Ricky, Ricky Dicky Best, his friends called him. Or okay, as it would appear great. on a lot of like rosters as like Best, comma, Dick. Right. Yep. I know. That is that is where it's at. That's I, great. I'm surprised he didn't so become you, a yeah. submarine captain, to be he honest. He should have. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was moving his way up through the ranks. Yes, he was very quickly, and sub was probably the next step. Right. Or it could be. But so we've got him. We've got Patrick Wilson. We've got Woody Harrelson, Luke Evans, Mandy Moore, Dennis Quaid, and Aaron Eckhart. Also Nick Jonas. Yeah. Yes, Nick Jonas is in this. And also Alexander Ludwig, that guy. Sure. And also Woody Harrelson. (laughs) No, yes. The only reason I mention Alexander Ludwig is right in the beginning. He's the guy who dies, like uh, the guy who you know uh, Dick Best's friend that he tries uh, okay. to find, Avery and I was like, or whatever. Uh, no, it was Roy Roy Pierce, and okay. um, I was like, I recognize this person. Like, I know, I know, I've seen you somewhere. And when I looked him up, he was the uh, David Spade's uh, long lost or son that he didn't know he had, who came to visit in Grown Ups too. And I was like, "Oh dear God!" Like I, the only reason, the only thing I know you from is Grown Ups too, and that's pretty sad. That's but, never a good thing. No, it's not good. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, I, should we get into this? I think we get probably should. Nah. We could talk. We could talk about these people in it forever and ever because there's a huge cast and there's just like so many different historical things. It's really interesting World War II stuff. So I think we probably should. All right. Okay. So we open. We're in Japan. It's like 1937. I don't know. And the war hasn't really started. I mean, I think things have been ramping up in Europe and stuff, obviously. And there may be uh, areas that are in war. It sounds like Japan had just invaded China and stuff. And our boy, Patrick Wilson, a.k.a. Edwin Layton, he is there as like the attache or whatever to the Japanese um, naval fleet. And they're having like a whole dinner and they're like toasting to like the continued uh, alliance between Japan and, and the United States and may we not go to war and all that stuff. But Le- Leighton, he's a pretty sharp guy. He sees something in his face. So he goes to talk to the guy afterwards. This is the guy who he's talking to isn't yet the main commanding officer, but he ends up being the rear admiral, Taman Yamaguchi. Or no, sorry, the admiral uh, Sakuro Yamamoto, right? I think that's right. He's the commander in chief of the combined fleet. And um, I think that's right. And he, uh, the guy that Layton's talking with was Yamamoto. Yamamoto, yeah, yeah. Or so no, Yama- Yamagu- Yamaguchi. That was Yamaguchi. Let me see. It was Yamaguchi. Say. Yes, Yamaguchi was the reasonable one. No, I, I feel like it's Yama- Yamamoto. Yamamoto is the one who was targeted oh. for. I thought Yamamoto was the ship. He studied oh, at Harvard. Episode ninety nine. <laughs> Yeah, we know our stuff. Started- Nobody knows what's going on. <laughs> Yamamoto was more of the nationalist, and Yamaguchi was the one that was more willing to see reason and and was trying to negotiate with uh, Leighton. I do not believe this is true. Okay. It says <laughs> that Yamamoto found himself in surprise to come back into power because he was going to be taken out by the more nationalist group. I may be wrong, but I, I could have sworn that was. Who if you it look was. at the photos, Yamamoto is the guy that. Yeah, I'm looking at more the main like bad a, guy. The historical photos, so I'm, that may not be the best way okay. to do it. Um, anyways, Yamagu- uh, Yamaguchi, I, I know for a fact, is a guy that gets pitched as more of the guy that tries to see a reason and tried to stop this on the Japanese side of things. 
he ch- chose to go down with his aircraft carrier. Yes. The, yeah. I, I would argue the good guy of the Japanese there. Anyways, I'm talking to Leighton, and Leighton is kind of like, uh, what's going on here? And he's, you know, I'm hearing that you were a target for assassination, you know, because you're not like an uber nationalist. And they kind of hash it out a little bit about um, whether they think that, you know, it'll get to being uh, a war or not. And it seems like Leighton ends up coming to the conclusion that the United States should be worried, that clearly there's powers in Japan heading towards uh, striking the United States and not allowing us just to be like a neutral nation, that they they would come after the United States. Um, and so we flash forward to more or less the eve of um, Pearl Harbor. And we jump over to the USS Enterprise where we got our hot dog in, uh, Lieutenant Dick Best, Ricky Dicky Best, and he's out for like a little patrol and he's like, yo guys, check this out. You're not always going to have full gas. Your engine may be shot. You may not even, your flaps may not work. They may have been shot to shit. So you got to be able to land no matter, no matter what. And his guy in the back is like, oh, fucking Ricky Dicky Best. Like, why you got to always be hot dogging and showboating? Why, why can't we just do it normally? He's like, this is going to save your life someday. Someday you're going to, we're going to be having to land this plane in dire conditions and you're going to thank me. So they go down and it's like a crazy maneuver. They're kind of like going all sideways, doing all kinds of crazy shit. They go like down below, almost to the water and then come back up and pop right onto the, the thing. And everyone kind of looks at him as being very, almost a dangerous um, person on the, on the ship. He's someone who kind of, uh, doesn't care for his own safety and thus might get people into trouble. And the, and the person that he kind of butts heads uh, with Wade McCluskey, Luke Evans' character, um, who, you know, in, in the end, actually, he, his portrayal here was strangely um, not super heroic. He's like a hero. Like He's like one of the only people ever to win like multiple Navy crosses and stuff or something. Like he's like a, a true hero hero. His portrayal here kind of makes him seem like the safe the safer version of what um dick best was dick best is kind of and even even uh mccluskey's character says at one point like uh he's the reason why we're going to win the war is because you have people like him who will kind of sacrifice themselves and do what needs to be done uh when it gets down to it and so anyways people are kind of heading back to some people get leave they're heading back towards pearl harbor he's he doesn't get to do that um he's kind of sticking around and so the people are flying back that way including one of his friends and they start to see things happening at Pearl Harbor because the Japanese start to attacking. And they're seeing, they're like, what's going on? It sounds like, seems like someone's getting to deep shit because so they really shouldn't be shooting their like anti-aircraft stuff at us. And then all of a sudden they see that everything's gone to shit. And there's all kinds of, they, we have a bunch of different areas that are being hit at this point. At one point we do see um, uh, Roy Pierce kind of saving a young kid uh, from the USS Arizona, which is getting struck. And that's the boat that we actually mentioned in the last episode uh, during the Jeopardy part that was sunk at Pearl Harbor. And um, he ends up being killed um, before he's able to get off the boat because he's helping this other person. And so... And that guy... So in this whole scene, like, this guy is strung up on this wire, going between the Arizona and another boat. There's fire all around. He gets over to the other side and... There is so much CGI in this movie. The guy's leg catches fire yeah. from like CGI and he just like calmly pats it out. Like he's freaking out about everything else, but then like he's like, oh, okay, I'm just on fire. <laughs> well, it didn't look great. I don't know. 
<laughs> no, no, I agree. I, it's something that Roland Emmerich has done. Like, I, I like laughed. I've even something. I, was, you got to be kidding me, man. Yeah, even something like um, White House Down, which is another Roland Emmerich one. Uh, he that one is like full chock full of CGI, even though it's just set in like Washington D.C. Um, so it's it's yeah, it's like kind That's of an odd why? trend. Uh, right now is trying to make these films uh, on the cheap because you don't you don't have to do these big set things by uh, we'll just like CGI that car falling off that bridge and then it looks like shit kind of um, yep so anyways Pearl Harbor occurs everyone starts to hear about it and you see a bunch of things kind of working now um, the United States is not in a great position to enter the war we only have like a couple of carriers and one of them was badly damaged to Pearl Harbor and they have to try to figure out that. Uh, they put um, Nimitz in charge and we've talked about Nimitz before in this uh, based on different episodes and stuff and he's like a badass and he kind of takes control. He, he even says like when they're like promoting him, uh, they're like, oh, what do you think of the situation? He's like, ah, we are in big trouble. I don't envy the guy who gets to like take charge of this. And they're like kind of staring at him. He's like, oh shit, it's me, isn't it? And so he kind of takes over and, um, uh, Dick Best, he ends up coming, he comes back to Pearl Harbor because obviously everyone's kind of pulled back um, to Pearl Harbor. Um, and he, you know, tries to find his friend Roy Pierce and is able to find him um, having been, you know, burnt to death. I mean, they, they were able to recognize him from his class ring and stuff like that. And so they have a, a memorial for him um, as well. And so you, you kind of see how close everyone is and kind of all the, the um, I guess, the personal revenge they want i mean basically how personally pearl harbor is they had a lot of friends who get killed in this so they're re they're ready and raring to go uh the other thing that's kind of mentioned here is that the japanese uh some of the other naval officers think they made a mistake in the attack uh, because there could have been a third wave of fighters to destroy um, the oil reserves and stuff mm -hmm. and they didn't do that and so they're like wait i'm confused why why didn't we? And I don't know if we necessarily have a, an I'm sure historically we have an adequate answer. We didn't get an adequate answer here as to why that was, uh, that it wasn't hit. But basically, it would have crippled Pearl Harbor and everyone would have had to pull back to like San Diego. And that would have made it really, really difficult for the United States to do um, a lot of the stuff that we were able to do So in, in the Pacific uh, theater. So that became like kind of a big sticking point that they already knew that the guy who's in charge uh, Yamaguchi. God, this is terrible. Or Yamamoto. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know which name it was. Uh, they're, they're very similar. Uh, and um, they, you know, they think he's just being a little bit, um, I guess, cautious or maybe even let, letting us off the hook a little bit uh, by not doing that kind of stuff, maybe out of honor or whatever, um, that there's other people in the Navy who feel like they could have been more aggressive uh, in doing that. Um what else happens here? There's a bunch of funerals and There's stuff. There's the uh, famous quote, and it shows up in Tora Tora Tora. Uh, it's uttered by Yamaguchi as he, I think, is taking in dinner or whatnot, and he listens to the radio about the results of uh, the bombing on Pearl Harbor. And right. uh, he says, um, I fear we have awoken a sleeping giant and filled him with a terrible resolve. Right. Now, there's no evidence of him actually saying that in real life either. Right. But you're right. That is in Tor Tora It's in Tora. both movies. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. He basically it took is. it from another movie. Uh, and then, oh, the other thing that, that they do here is that they, so they have Leighton, who we saw earlier, kind of knowing that this, this is something that probably was going to happen. Uh, he's kind of saying, like, I'm part of the worst intelligence disaster in American history. Like, this is crazy. But everyone's kind of turning to him to be like, you warned us for 
years, and we now need you to help us figure out the next moves because we know we now know that you are correct, like that you're a really good analyst, and we need you. And so he kind of he kind of takes control. Nimitz looks to him, and then he points also to a guy named um, Joseph uh, Rokefort, who's a part of crypto, uh, cryptography, and, and kind of deciphering all these messages, trying to figure out now what the next steps uh, for the Japanese might be. And so um, it seems to, so this movie goes very fast. I'm sure there were, there were, I don't even know how much time passes between this point and midway, but it almost seems instantaneous uh, that they are basically um, starting to, to realize, get, get some chatter over the airwaves um, that there's going to be a target for the Japanese called AF and the crypt, crypt, uh, cryptography teams, they think it means Midway, but the, Washington thinks it's the Aleutian Islands. So they think the Aleutian Islands seems to make the most sense as a target uh, being like actual U.S. soil and stuff like that, like that they would go after that in Aleutian Islands. There was some reason why they thought AF would mean that. But the cryptography things seem to think, no, Midway's the, the logical strategic point that they would hit. Um, and we know from the scenes that they're showing with the Japanese side that that's ex that's exactly where they're going. And they're playing all these war games. And part of the war games and kind of what they're saying and, and what ends up being a big part of them losing, uh, spoiler alert, uh, historically, and they uh, do not kind of accept the idea that the United States may uh, be on to the may, may be onto the plan and be positioned in a way to counterattack. And so even when right, some of the students— saying that yeah, all the reinforcements must come from Pearl Harbor. And somebody's like, well, what if they don't? And he said, you have to have them come from Pearl Harbor. Yeah, they basically, There's no other way they would ever come from it. They're always underestimating the United States. Um, not only are they saying like, uh, oh, they're, you know, we're destined to, to take over. But they're also saying like, oh, they got terrible planes. Oh, they're getting lucky whenever we do anything. And then in this they case- They don't have the bravery to win. Yeah, they don't have the bravery. Oh, the, oh, that was an unusually brave soldier of theirs and that kind of stuff. But then also the, this situation where they're like, they don't accept the possibility that we would decipher the codes and then maybe figure out to ambush them. And they're like, no, 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 they, that's, that, that's just not possible given our plan is too good. Um, and so anyways, to prove that Midway is the target- they Nimitz is like you need to get proof, and so they send out a message, um, cryptid or, or kind of a secret message, saying that they've run out of water in Midway. They need need more water, and so they get they decrypt a message back saying, uh, "AF is out of water. Good time to strike," or something like that. And so it's confirmation that Midway is um, AF because there's, there's no other way that it would have been. So they they can start to get everything going. Um, there's some kind of minor points here that are historical, like they have a, a time when. Uh, we see um, Dennis Quaid, who's who plays kind of like a pretty, um, I don't know how to say, like ag aggressive uh, captain, I guess. And no he's, nonsense. He's stubborn. Yeah, he's no nonsense. He's stubborn. He's kind of like, and he ends up getting a, a bad rash, shingles, and he has to be taken out of action. And another guy takes over his boat. And it kind of ends up being an so now, important, important point in the movie or in the historically. It is. It's an and I was point. disappointed that it was because I thought it was just going to be some random quote. He's like, man, I've got this rash. Yeah. <laughs> and we never, I mean, the way this movie was going, and I was like, oh, I wonder if we're going to hear about that. But I, I totally not. thought I the same thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're actually doing something with the characters in this scene, like talking about a rash. Like, usually there's like no small talk, like everything like matters. Well, no, they call like, they, right? no, it's called Chekhov's rash. 
It's like if you if you talk about a rash, you better <laughs> use that rash in, in the second act, you know? It makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so he's taking out of action. Historically, it's a very important point, but in the movie, it's not a very important point. Because he was the point is he was very stubborn and aggressive, and probably he would have tried to chase down the Japanese um, at, after Midway. But remember, the guy pulls back. Uh, and says, no, we've won. Let's not like turn this into a loss or whatever. And the idea is that because he just this fortuitous thing that he was the guy who replaced this other commander, that likely it was like a, a very good thing for the United States. And so there's a lot of luck and a lot of these other things that are kind of going our way for the United States. We have the better intelligence. They're underestimating us. These changes in command, including the fact that Dick Best takes over like the command of the the flight crews and stuff like that, that kind of ends up being kind of a fortuitous thing for a number of reasons. So everything kind of lines up for this kind of really a miraculous kind of underdog um, victory uh, to kind of turn the tides of the Japanese uh, the war. So anyways, they're like, we need to know exactly. I mean, this is kind of when we get into the midway, right? More or less. Uh, I mean, at this point, have we... Had the oh, there's Doolittle raid, raid with there's Aaron a Doolittle Eckhart. raid, right? Yeah. yeah. So they also have the Doolittle raid. They they have that happen, and that's it's supposed to be another thing that's kind of morale boosting. Is that they kind of help get Aaron Eckert and who's Doolittle and their raid going to attack Tokyo, and it's a it's a very interesting part, but not necessarily super vital to the to the story of the movie. movie. Yeah, right. Was there much that came out of it? I kind of forgot it happened In until the it movie, came back at the end. No. Yeah, but in I mean, it's an incredible life, thing that happened in real life. Yeah, yeah and it's yeah, and it's a pretty and I actually thought the scenes were pretty cool, uh, yeah. like in in, in China that, and stuff like that. That could have been a movie in itself. Just yeah. that entire like just call it Doolittle. <laughs> yeah, with it, I mean, especially when they were flying and they were like, "Where we may not make it, like we have to, you have to launch now." They basically got to a point where they were going to get detected and probably attacked, and so Doolittle had to take off from the aircraft carriers and. They were like, we're pretty far away from Tokyo. Like, we're probably not going to make it to the landing spot. Um, so we're going to have to ditch. And it's just like, it's, it seems like that that I look at and I go, wow, that's like, it's like seriously brave. That's like some, that's some, that's some courageous shit. And I do, it's these movies ma- make you sit there and wonder, like, could I do it? And I, and I guess in these situations, you'd have to assume yes, that everything's so like dire in like the world and stuff like that, that you do it. But like, it's very, I don't know. You're putting your life out there. And that's like, seems like pretty courageous. Anyways, they, uh, they go out and there was some pretty cool scenes where they're, they're like flying, flying, flying. And they're like, are we over land? If we're over land, we got to get the hell out of this plane. And they basically just jump out of the plane with their parachutes and land in China. And they have to try to find their way to, um, get rescued. And they have like some, um, sympathizers there, uh, cause they're United States and they try to help them. And it's, it's supposed to show like, kind of the sacrifice um, of those Chinese sympathizers as well uh, during that time, helping them get to uh, get out of uh, China. And so um, once we're, once we kind of heading towards Midway, yeah, Dick Best kind of takes over command of the uh, squadron uh, that, that puts uh, uh, Luke Evans character, Wade McCluskey back into the um, planes. Like he hadn't been doing as much uh, kind of wingman flying, at the time and so he's like, they're like oh you gotta remember how to fly and he's like don't you effing worry about it i'm an american hero ever heard of it and so um basically they're telling the intelligence people like Leighton, like 
give us your best estimate. And they're like, oh, well, you know, these things, it's not an exact science. We're not really sure. And they're like, we need you just to give us like a time and a direction. And so then he's like, well, then, okay, 7 a.m. from the Northwest, whatever he said, 7 a.m. for the Northwest, they're going to first attack or something like that. Like these very precise instructions. He went from nothing to extremely specific. And I think I can, yeah, yeah. And it makes sense. It's basically like a very scientific answer to start where it's just like, oh, well, you know, these things, you know, you can't say it exactly. There's uh, many possibilities. And it's like, no, just give us what we need to know. We need to know a single thing. So what would you say if we, you had that? And he said exactly what the, if he was forced to say one thing, here's the one thing. And so they kind of gained everything positioned, ready for it. They even have a submarine. At this point, finally, we're getting some submarine action. They set up a submarine, like, trap line basically just all these subs in a row ready to strike yeah and the submarines are out there and and they they even um they try to go after even before like the planes are launched and stuff like that they try to go after uh the one of the carriers um and shoot they like they, they go silent and they decide to attack if they attack of course they're going to be attacked right back and so they shoot a torpedo and their periscope is sighted and so they end up getting um uh kind of depth charge depth charge classic depth charge really right here i know we haven't had a we didn't really get much depth charging in the last two movies we've been watching and God knows we didn't see it in Godzilla movies, so it's been a while since we've seen some depth charging. Yeah, like more more the classic depth charging because we did have that helicopter depth charging in Wolf's Call. Oh shoot, we that's, did. that's more futuristic depth charging though. Yeah, we don't know. We don't even know if that's real. And so then the submarine kind of gets, um, they get kind of pinned down by these depth charges, and the whole the whole fleet's kind of moving at that point. Like even even after a little while, the submarine's like, are they gone? And you can kind of see them. The, the boat that had been depth charging them is kind of trailing behind, but the whole fleet has kind of moved off a little bit into a different location. And so the Japanese kind of attack midway. We see some funny scenes with uh, the director Ford, uh, who's like being allowed to direct this stuff, who's kind of just like putting the cameras right in the action because uh, he really wants to get some good shots. But the Japanese attack and then uh, the Americans counterattack uh, almost immediately send out a few different squ- squadrons. And it's it's a little bit confusing exactly what happened. So it seems like the first wave of people, planes, get there um, perfectly. And they are able to start bombing, trying to bomb, 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 trying to uh, destroy the uh, carriers. But they don't have a huge amount of success that first pass through, including uh, – no, this wasn't – Nick Jonas was still – that was later. But um, – then the next wave comes in and it's the same thing, I think. And then, but like McCluskey and Best, when they're flying out, they're having trouble locating the fleet because the Japanese fleet has started to move a little bit with these changes. And they don't, they can't really see them. At the same time, the Japanese are trying to like bide some time because they, they want to switch over to torpedoes for their planes in order to uh, be able to attack the, or destroy the American fleet. Like they want to take out the boats. And not just have like regular bombing stuff. And so, but like another of the Japanese commanders, like we need to attack quickly. We need to go, we need to counterattack now. And if we're changing, we're like dead in the water. And he's like, no, like they're not good enough. The Americans aren't good enough. We're going to change and we're going to destroy them like we're destined to do. And that's like an important key point because 
basically they they can't put any counterattacks on as long as they are uh, not or exchanging these, these into the torpedoes. And so as they're flying along McCluskey, they, they're looking around, they can't find the fleet. McCluskey catches one of that boat who's like a straggler. And he's like, I bet that boat's trying to catch up. So he makes the call that they're going to go after the fleet, even though it's like pretty questionable whether they would have enough fuel to be able to do that. And it turns out to be right. It's a it's a very famous case. Basically, it's like that one decision to go after that boat uh, with the hopes of finding the fleet may be like the turning point of the entire war uh, because they find it and, oh boy, do they go to town on those ja- the Japanese fleet because they uh, best destroys one of them. I think another one gets destroyed in this one. Is it maybe two? A bunch of stuff gets carriers. destroyed. One of the big things that we see here is best for most of the movie was just like preaching. We've got to do these dive bombs. We got to practice these and we got to get so good at dive bombing because carpet bombing makes us, it's like a rookie move. And I think the Japanese even comment on that at one point. Yeah. And McCluskey hasn't been doing it and he's getting right down there and he's about to dive bomb. He's getting so close, but he doesn't get close enough. He drops the bomb, misses by like 10 feet right off the side of the boat. Right. Come on, man. What are you doing out there? Man, you got to practice. You got to be Ricky Dicky Best because Ricky Dicky Best, he does it straight down towards the thing. And it's like super risky. And basically, they almost crash and stuff like that. But basically, when he drops his bomb, oh, it's going to hit. He knows it. And so anyways, they fly on back. At this point, Nick Jonas. They destroyed three of the four aircraft carriers. Yeah. Nick Jonas, he's uh, he's down for the count. He's been His, his plane has been uh, shot down. A few other people have been shot down or shot at. Uh, McCluskey's been shot in the shoulder. Um, and uh, Best also had some trouble with his oxygen and, you know, is having trouble breathing and starting to cough up blood and stuff like that. But they've, they've lost a huge number of people. So when they get back to the fleet or back to the Enterprise, they are basically looking around being like, we need to destroy that last carrier to really win this battle because they could still turn around and we could be in like a world of hurt. And so they go into the group of people who are all shell-shocked, like, are you guys ready to go back in? And they're like, okay, we'll do it. And his co-pilot, though, is like, I'm not sure I can you, every time I fly with you, I feel like I'm going to die. You don't care about anything. Like, I care about my life. You don't seem to care about your, even your life, let alone mine. And he's like, come on, man. Let's just do it. We got to do it. And he does. <laughs> <laughs> he does. It's really, he and, fucking does it. I mean, that's he literally does. all it he takes, does. right? <laughs> yeah, he fucking does it, man. He does it. He gets in that plane. And he fucking does it. But anyways, they fly out and they 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 do you know kind of one last uh, attempt at, at taking out that last carrier. And we even even though I think they have like sixteen planes or something, like a pretty small amount at this point. And Best hits and hits that carrier as well. And it's kind of this amazing thing. I think at that point he was one of only two people ever to destroy two aircraft carriers in one day. <laughs> I can't even believe it's another person. That seems nuts. But uh, he was the first person ever to do that. Um, they're pretty sure he destroyed, I mean, he, they know he destroyed one of them and then they're pretty sure he, he was one of the hits on the other one. Um, and, uh, that, in that, after that, like the guy who, the, the final commander, the guy who's in command of that final carrier, uh, it's clearly not going to be able to survive. <laughs> it's on fire and stuff. And so 
he kind of goes down with the ship along with his um, XO and lets all the younger uh, people leave the ship and it sinks. Best has, uh, or everyone else has returned to the U.S. Enterprise um, and they're kind of looking and they they have kind of assumed that Best probably went down somewhere. They're going to try to find him. Um, But at the last moment, in a heroic, stirring final scene, you hear a little bit of a plane. It was always funny what people could hear in in this in these scenarios, like just the idea that they would be able to hear his plane, um, you know, in the middle of an ocean, probably with wind whipping everywhere, and these giant boats churning in the water and stuff like that seems a, a bit absurd. But they're like, or how Wait, about when what? they're flying around with know, the cockpits wide open and they're just casually talking, and they're like, like chatting, and I'm talking yeah. right now. Yeah, like chatting to each other and stuff. It's always very, it was very funny to. Well, a machine kind of guns going off too. He's like, "Hey, man, just be sure to aim to the left." Okay, pop, 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 pop. Or like, like how they, how they, yeah, right, how they would hear that a plane's coming, but then they look over and the plane was only like five feet away from them. It's like, well, you could probably have seen it before you heard it. It was like right over there, <laughs> right, like flying at you. Um, but anyways, he does. He's basically in the exact same situation that we saw him at the beginning of the film. Uh, he can't. His his plane's all busted up. His uh, uh, the engine has stalled out because he doesn't have gas anymore and he lands it perfectly. No big deal. Kind of gets out. He's coughing up blood like crazy. Uh, at this point, his co-pilot uh, has, uh, has uh, his gunner has burnt his hands up. Like they're, they're all like in pretty bad shape, but they're victorious. And the United States basically says, okay, we're going to pull back and regroup because this was a great victory. And everyone's super happy. Leighton uh, kind of gets the final, uh, word that um, the Japanese are withdrawing and is able to pass it over to uh, Nimitz and to, to in order to celebrate and stuff like that. And it's a great victory that turns the tide of the war. That's pretty much the end. I mean, they do go through how, how it happens to everyone. And we see um, kind of uh, the return of Dick Bass to Pearl Harbor to see his wife, Mandy Moore. Got to mention Mandy Moore. Uh, and he ends up being medically retired. That was the last flight he ever did was destroying that uh, second aircraft carrier because they kind of mentioned, oh, I tore up my lungs with uh, acid. It's not exactly what happened. He ended up, he had tuber- tuberculosis. Um, but uh, yeah, he basically was not able to fly ever again because of his lung condition. It's more or less it. Wow. You have it. Midway. Nick Midway. Jonas was uh, captured. Uh, yeah, Nick, yes, yes. That, I was going to actually say Nick Jonas' scene after he was captured was... Um, Bruno Guido, which I assume was a true char- uh, true life uh, persona, but uh, yeah, he, was, uh, he was cast overboard with the anchor. At least that's what's shown. It's hard to s- say if that's what actually happened to him or not. But That I could not confirm. I don't know. I see. I, I, I'd be surprised if that was confirmable. Because they, we've used, unless we've the other, other guy survived, there was the other guy with them that could have survived as a POW, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And Nick Jonas does all his own stunts. That's true. So he was tied to an anchor that they threw overboard into the ocean. Pretty crazy stuff. Did he get out alive? Any songs lately? I don't know. Um, I think the big thing is whether a mermaid swam up and basically like kissed him a whole bunch to give him Ooh. like the air, and that's how he survived. Real like hook that. situation, if you will. Exactly. It's just like Hook. That's actually where they got the idea from hook. Bruno Gatto. Hook. <laughs> getting the hook over there? The I love on? Hook. I watch it every Christmas time. Do you? It's a Christmas movie for me. Yep. 
Well, there you go. There you go. My All favorite right. Super Nintendo game. Just kidding. <laughs> hey, top 25, Kyle. I am top 25. Speedrunner on that game. Did you... So, was it Love It or Hate It, hate it next, or did we do Are our we reviews? It? We want to do Love It or Hate It? Let's do, so. it. Let's do Go our reviews it. first so they don't get uh, tainted in any way by the Love It or Hate It. Oh, come, they won't get tainted. If anything, they'll just be even more so. Uh, it's, road, it's your, right? po- it's your podcast. I'm, I'm sorry, Kyle. You're the captain. Well... Yes. Wait, so we are doing it? Are we? <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. All Brom's right. got a good point. Let's give it to Brom. Let's throw him a bone. All right. Give give that guy a bone. Do oh, it. Jeez, guys. <clears throat> um, okay. I, I, this film, had, uh, I, I, I think I came out of it with some mixed feelings. Uh, I was I was captivated uh, during the film. Uh you know, I was having those moments where, like, the Americans, you know, just kept having these near misses where they almost d- delivered a strike to the Japanese. Uh, you know, the torpedo just misses. You know, this this bomb just misses. You know, they shoot down one of the the heroes, and the hero's dead. And they just the, – the, that one uh, rival of Dick Best, uh, you know, tr- gets his torpedo in the water, and it goes sailing. He gets shot down and crashes his plane, and it – you know, near miss, and it's like, oh my god, come on, somebody! <laughs> Even though you know how this ends, like it's just like, oh my gosh, like, what's it take to to actually deliver a a blow to the Japanese? Like, and the Japanese are always like starting to get like really worried and nervous. I'm like, why are you worried or nervous at this point? Like, you keep smoking us. But uh, ultimately, the you get to the turning point there. Uh, Dick Best turns on the the heroics and. Uh, they start to take down the aircraft carriers. Um, the overall style of the film, I thought it was just a little bit too choppy with uh, the cuts, quick cuts back and forth. I kind of described it as like these little mini miniature tableaus where they're trying to cram all the different little, you know, stories that occurred during this time. You know, Pearl Harbor, the Doolittle Raids, um, the actual, you know, battle in the waters near Midway. Um, and then all these other little things in between. You know, they got this ensemble cast, and they, they really felt like they were trying to give each of them some airtime, but they weren't actually doing any actual character development with any of them. And I think that's kind of what, what brings it down a little bit for me. I don't think it's going to have, like, a long-lasting impact, um, like something like um, Dunkirk did or uh, Saving Private Ryan or anything like that. I think this is one that will kind of fall by the wayside uh, as it's it's kind of been done before the whole story, uh, and this one didn't particularly do it in, in any way that's more profoundly, you know, better. But uh, it was well shot, and it looked good. Uh, CGI was good in the, in the parts where they incorporated it, but, but overall, uh, practical effects and, and the CGI effects looked good. Uh, it, it kept, it kept my attention, uh, still a compelling storyline that deserves to be told. Um, I think I'm going to give this one though, uh, I'm going to give it a six and a half. Oh, hmm. that was, ju- that's decent for Ben. I, I'm going to jump in here cause I agree wholeheartedly with Brom. I thought it was very choppy and I think that's part of it's just trying to cram so much into a relatively short amount of time. It's still a pretty long movie, two hours and like 15 minutes or something. Uh, but really, they, they jump from scene to scene. Like at one point, it's, it almost comes off funny because 
you have the scene where you have Dick Bess. He's trying to find his friend from the academy who clearly has died or potentially died in the Pearl Harbor attack. And he's like, okay, I'll, I'll track, I'll find him. And now I'm, I'm expecting there to be a scene where it's like, okay, well, it can't just be super easy because someone else would have found him. So he must have to go through a few different things to find him. And he just walks up to a kid and he's like, were you with Roy? And the kid goes, yeah. He goes, do you know where he's now? Did he get off the boat? And he goes, I don't know. And that's just the end of the scene. And you're like, well, I guess they couldn't have cut that scene because it has to look like he searched a little bit. <laughs> but there's all these scenes that are like super <laughs> tiny, like they're so short. And like the, the as I even as we kind of joked at the end, it's like, I can't go up with you. You don't even care about my life. And the most they can do just with the time is for Dick Best to be like, man, you just got to do it. And the guy's like, okay, <laughs> like, and that's the end of the thing. So like they have to keep on right. just having everything rush forward, forward, forward in order to get through all this stuff. And like Pearl Harbor seems like it happened an hour before Midway. It's almost like, it's almost like we regrouped right after Pearl Harbor and we're like straight to Midway, let's do it. Uh, when that all took, you know, much longer in the end, like a time span that was much longer uh, than kind of depicted in the film. It almost seems like World War II happened in like uh, 70 days or something if you went by this film. Uh, so it's things like that that kind of, it, it, it's tough, but in the middle of it, I felt like it got into this groove where I was like, I don't know, I'm kind of enjoying, it's like heroics, it's like um, America World War II stuff, which is very interesting. It made me want to like read more about the Pacific theater and like all these different things. And in the end, it's like, I don't know, I think it's it's enjoyable. If you like World War II movies, it looks good and it feels good uh, to kind of like watch it. As long as you don't really get hung up too much on the fact that it's probably not a very good movie just from like a, a movie point of view um so i was going to come in exactly the same six and a half i couldn't give it a seven but i think six and a half makes sense yeah yeah well said wow okay zach you want to go next you want me to go i'll go all right all right midway 2019 roland emmerich alex's guy and I actually like a lot of his movies, too. Patriot, Independence Day, 1 and 2, I think are both are phenomenal. And Day After Tomorrow, one of my favorite movies ever. What about ever. 2012? Never saw it. Now, <laughs> Woody Harrelson's in that one, too. Who? It's true. Woody, Har- Woody, Woody Harrelson. Harrelson. I, never heard of him. I know who he is. <laughs> I, liked, I liked Day After Tomorrow when they have to outrun the cold. Isn't that a great part? part? It's mm-hmm. kind of like the happening really when they have to outrun the leaves. Right, exactly. Yeah, the wind. They see the wind. They go shit. <laughs> um, so this movie, I remember seeing trailers for it, and I thought it looked terrible. And I was like, this just does not look good at all. I was pleasantly surprised. And I'm actually going to agree with a lot of what Ben and Jamie said. Um, it was better than I expected. Now, I think they just tried cramming too much history into one movie. Like, you could have cut out the entire Pearl Harbor sequence. Uh, yeah, you you that, just didn't need it. It's a big, it's a big issue because it's like they, I feel like they felt like they had to frame something when I think you can effectively start not that long before Midway and get across what's going on. Yeah, I like, don't know you, why. Yeah, they didn't need it. Like we, like obviously, like we're sitting in the audience. We know Pearl Harbor. Like we just didn't need that part of the story. I don't really know what the first thirty minutes of the movie really did. Um, but then I found myself wanting to learn more, like the Doolittle raid. That was really interesting, and they didn't do much on that. It's like you were saying, Jamie, when you were reviewing the movie. It's like they showed him once he crashed. I think they made like one scene 
explaining how the Japanese were murdering Chinese, but then that was it. Like, you, I just feel like you never saw them again. Um, dialogue was cringy at times. I remember noticing a few ridiculous comments by some of the actors. Uh, I thought the bombing runs were really cool, though. Like, when they did the vertical drop downs, I thought mm. that was really neat to watch because I'd never really seen that in any other movie before. But it did feel rushed. It felt choppy. I agree. Um, submarine scene. So we got the submarine say, scene. I, we haven't mentioned yet the kind of lack of submarine action. And that, say, it's barely in there. And that's barely. my problem with it. I was like, here we go. Subs. I know that they had a big role to play, but lo and behold, they barely showed anything. Now, what they did show, I liked. They really, even though it was short... The camera angles really showed like the claustrophobic feeling in a submarine. So I liked that. I just wish they would have, <laughs> if it was me, cut the first 30 minutes and then add 15 more minutes of submarine action. Then you get a great movie. Arguably could have took the Doolittle Raids out too. Yeah, because it didn't expand on it enough. Like it, that needs to be its own movie. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, you know, we got some sub-action. I liked that. It was entertaining. It was better than I expected. I liked a lot of the actors saved it for me. I love Woody Harrelson. Um, I'm going to give it a 5.5. All right. I'll never Reasonable. see it again. But All right. <laughs> I'm not regretting that I saw it. Will you see the sequel, though? Midway 2, back to Midway? Yes. Full yes. Yeah. Oh, good one. Boy, Boy I like that. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> All right. I'll bring up the rear here. And you guys have yeah, brought up will. a lot of good points. And like everybody's talked about, this movie is so darn choppy. Scene to scene. Literally, we saw Dick Best on a boat. Then the next scene, we saw him at like a dance party dancing with his wife. Then we saw him back at, like in the middle of the Pacific. I didn't know what the heck was going on. Dick Best to me, great character name. Didn't like was not a huge fan of the actor. I didn't find him like crazy likable or Wait, anything. You like didn't that. like you didn't like him from because uh, he was a Game of Thrones guy. Yeah, only for one season. He for, was like, one season. One got replaced. Hey, 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 hold on. I'm still I'm still no, no, no. in the midst of you you've, know. You've you've, you've seen I'm, him. I'm this sure is you've like, seen him. This they is recast season. Him. Yeah, they yeah. recast him. So yeah, I think he was season two or season one. I can't remember. Oh, it'd have been two. Yeah. He was the okay. original Dario Naharis. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I remember that because that blew me away when I was supposed to realize that that was the same guy into season three. And I was like, wait a minute, who the heck is that guy? But anyways, besides the point, he was creepy there. <laughs> kind of weird here. And none of the characters were developed at all. One of the things I thought was like kind of funny was <laughs> there was that guy on the surface ship. He's like, man... I am. It wasn't the guy who said, you know, you fly dangerously. This guy just said, I've got nerves. I'm so nervous. I can't do this. I can't be a man. Dick Best says, you got to be a man. I'll take you under my wing. It'll be fine. Oh, yeah. Literally five <laughs> seconds later, the dude launches his plane off of the ship. It goes in the water, crashes, gets sucked under the ship, and he dies. I'm like, wow. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. be Dick Best wingman at all. That, that looked pretty rough. Uh who knows? We didn't. Know, we don't know if he lived. It does. It, I'm gonna, I think that's I'm gonna a, guess that he didn't. That is a really good example of something where they're they're trying to convey like 
the war and how it's kind of weighing on them. And because they have so little time, it basically has to be like one scene where they're like, you're now my best friend. And then that best friend gets sucked under the ship and dies. And they're like, like literally See, within the five war, seconds. The war is so tough on me. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. Tough on that guy down no. there who's just getting cut up by the prop. But the director <laughs> guy on the scene uh, on the beach, he came out of nowhere. And I mean, it was just really odd. Everything to me was so fragmented, so odd, so much CGI that I was just like, we get enough CGI. Come on. Like, I know that we're using this. And I didn't realize they had a $100 million budget. Most of that probably went to these big name actors who they had in these super fragmented scenes, which is just outrageous. Somebody like Woody Harrelson, you could be like, okay, you know, we can do a 10 minute straight scene, but that's not going to happen in this movie. No, you're only going to get 20, 30 seconds. And it's weird. Cause you scene. could, you have someone like Dennis Quaid, Aaron Eckert, both people who you can talk the, say the entire synopsis of this movie and not mention them because it's just not oh, like, yes. in the end, like the main storyline, they're just not even a part of. Right. Yeah. You'd be like, what was Dennis, Dennis Quaid doing that movie? Oh, he got a rash and then they took him off and you're like, <laughs> Oh, okay. I guess yeah. whatever. Uh, crazy and i don't know it's just i wasn't i wasn't really feeling this movie i think that from 2019 we've seen a lot better movies you want to see a really good war movie from 2019 i can't tell you enough to go see 1917 that movie is great how many how many submarines in that zero oh what I know, right? One less than we got in this. So yeah. what What can you do? Yeah, about, about the uh, three, three minutes this, less than what we got in this one. Yeah, if three minutes might be a little generous. The sub stuff in this was good, but and the bombing runs like we talked about were really cool when they blew up the boats. That was awesome. No wrenches on the submarine. No wrenches. But I could not get into this for whatever reason. So, I mean, what are you coming, coming in at? Like a th- I'm co- I'm giving it a three. Whoa. My God! <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, yeah, I'll never watch this again. Kyle, it sounds like it didn't scratch your itch, man. I, I I get it. It wasn't a. I mean, we're a submarine podcast, and that wasn't. This was not really a submarine movie. No, I I think there can be an argument ba- made that it could have been a micropod. Micropod, yep. Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely would not have mentioned we Dennis that, Quaid. Right? All right, no. all right. No, no we're trying to do 2019 in review. No, this, no, this you, is fair. There was more than what was in the micropods, but if sure. we made it yeah, a micropod, sure, I sure. wouldn't have argued. All right, listeners, you listen to us bullshit. Now, let's listen from the It's time for you to decide. <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> Love it, hate it. Love it or hate it. What do you guys want to start with first? Love it. Yeah, I agree. Love it. This is from Adam Smasher 39. Nice. Excellent movie and historically accurate is the title of his review. This is an excellent historical portrayal of the Battle of Midway and some of the events that led up to it. There is a lot of intensity throughout the film, and it shows how some of the decisions on both sides were truly a gamble in that time. 
There were no satellites, GPS systems, or sophisticated radar systems. The only missing pieces to this movie, as noted by others, is the lack of U.S. fighter planes. Maybe it is intended to focus mainly on the Dauntless pilots. I took my wife and kids to the movie, as it seems much of the history of this country is being forgotten. I am so glad I did. The kids had no idea that any of this happened. As for the critics that wrote negative reviews and trashed this movie, I think this attributes to a lot of what is wrong with this country today. People who decided not to see this movie on Veterans Day weekend, based on the critics' reviews, are truly missing an excellent movie. This movie is historically accurate, (laughs) Mm. with no lame love story or fictional sub-stories. Hey, that is that's a wait, knock on denigrating sub stories. Sub stories? No, I think they meant sub stories, <laughs> not sub stories. <laughs> but I think I think Hold it's on a, here. it's insulting Mandy Moore because talk about love story. It's electric. It's at best. I think it's more of praise that she wasn't uh, the Kate Beckinsale love story of Pearl oh, Harbor. There's, there's not a triangle with uh, McCluskey or something. Yeah. Ah. Well, see, that's what makes a classic sub-movie, too, is a love triangle. I know, and, and I, I gotta say, I love a love triangle. Oh. Think about the OC. Love it. I love the OC. Great show. It's a love triangle. Don't call it that. <laughs> You're offending Ben. Do not call it a great show. I will. No, you're saying it's a great show. Call it the OC. <laughs> it's a Arrested <laughs> Development uh, reference. Sorry. A lot of references uh, to me. Yeah. That very few people probably caught. I apologize. So anyways. I hate it. Yeah, what? there we go. Okay. I hate it. This is from Heyjo7713, titled, I Am In Shock. I, I like that title, right? That, <laughs> that's a gripping title. <laughs> well, I'll try to read it in a gripping manner. I can't believe how anyone would call this an excellent, worth-to-see WW2 movie. Not arguing the historical background of the battle, but how Emmerich is turning the events into Independence Day in the Pacific is a disgrace. The intentional dead-stick landing on the carrier would have been the right moment to leave the cinema. It would have saved me two hours of my life that I will never get back. I could go on for hours ranting about this terrible movie, but I will stop wasting more time on this utter crap. Kids, if you you want to watch realistic war movies, go see Tora 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 or the Battle of Britain. Avoid this mess at all cost. There you go, kids. All right. (laughs) Avoid it. Specifically, kids. I know. Go see Tora 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 instead. All right. And who was that from again? That Hejo? That was, um, I hate it, was Heijo7713. Mm. There you go. Mm. 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 I like these other reviews. They were good. Mm. All right. I'm going to get into a little trivia. Be pretty quick with this one. Uh, Emmerich had previously attempted to mount this film with Sony Pictures in the 90s. As as mentioned, uh, he ended up moving on to direct The Patriot instead because despite interest from William Goldman, 
the famous screenwriter, uh, the executives balked at the proposed $100 million budget. So that was back in the 90s, and he had the exact same budget proposal as he ended up having now, which is kind of crazy. Uh, there are a number of historical inaccuracies in the film noted on the Wikipedia page if people are interested, but they're pretty minor. I actually do think that first one where they're saying that it's fairly historically accurate is true. It's interesting. There are some weird inaccuracies. Like they talk about the USS Nautilus. And since we're a submarine podcast, I thought I'd mention this one that it attacked an enemy carrier in the film and missed it. Uh, it didn't actually attack a carrier. It attacked a Japanese battleship called the Kirishima. So I just don't, I don't really totally understand why that's inaccurate in the film. <laughs> like it just seems, it seems a little odd that they just kind of made some random changes like that. Like, nah, it's not as cool for them to attack a battleship. Let's have them attack the carrier. It's like, okay, that's weird, but fine. Uh, it was Edwin Layton's idea to invite John Ford to shoot the footage of the Midway battle. He thought it would be good for morale. It ended up being edited into a film, The Battle of Midway, which was released in 1942. And Ford was so pleased with the result that Leighton actually ended up getting a part in one of his later films, Big Jim McLean, in 1952. I don't think there's a submarine in that one, so we won't watch it, though. Dang uh, it. And then before the closing credits, uh, the movie teases a sequel about the Battle of Philippine Seas. And that up movie has a 2022 release date. Now, this is in – this is trivia – I, is this true? I don't even know if this is actually a thing that's happening. Is there actually a sequel happening to this movie? I have no idea. Seems crazy. Was that before? The, hope, was that know. after the credits or something? What was that's what it said? It said during before the closing credits, the movie teases a sequel about the Battle of the Philippines. It Seas. said Dick Best will fly again. Oh, did it? Okay, so no, there we go. Definitely not. <laughs> I was about to say there's no said, way it did fly that. Again. <laughs> again. Oh yeah, that's right. He never. He wouldn't have flown again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and does anyone more of, a, you, more of a James Bond reference? Sorry again for the references. No. I got it. I loved it. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't get it. Uh, do you guys? Do you guys want to do a? I, I think. I think if we're gonna do a, a Jeopardy real quick, uh, yeah. we're gonna do bu- we're gonna do buzzers this time. All right. Oh, so shit. I got I got three different. You gotta, you gotta say your name if you want to buzz in for it. Uh, so I, I got three different categories you can choose from: wars by battle. So I'll say a, a battle and a date, and you give me the war that it was part of. Uh, this one, which one was this one? And do we buzz in the, like buzz? Do no, you say, I, your, you say your name. Say Zach. your name to buzz in. Right, exactly. So okay. then the mo- so then one's called the movies. Um, and that's one where it's trivia about movies. Uh, and then I got one that is, let me find this one. Uh, this one is called 1988. So these are all things that happen in 1988. Zach was born. All right. So, which one do you want to do? Do you want to do 1988 movie, the movies, or Wars by Battle? Wars by Battle. Wars by Battle. Called it first. Let's just go with it. Fits with the movie. Zach, since you called it first, you get to choose. Cool. 200, 400, 600, 800, or 1,000. Did you got to give me that hot dog in 1,000? All right. Remember, buzz in with your name. 1415, the Battle of Agincourt. Holy shit. 1415? 1415, the Battle of Agincourt. I don't know. God, 1415. And we're supposed to give you the name of the war? Mm hmm. Oh I'm, my God. I'm gonna if say, it, I'm gonna if say, it ain't American, it doesn't matter. Mur, mur. I, think, I think that's a triple stumper. No, let me. Hang on. No, 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 no. Zach. 
<laughs> All right, and it's going to be negative 1,000 if you miss it. I know, but there's not that many fucking wars back in the 1400s. I think it's too early. I want to say what I'm going to guess is in the 1500s, but I'm going to say the Hundred Years' War. That is correct. Holy shit, yes. <laughs> Dang it, dude. That was what I was... Th- I'm the smartest <laughs> man alive. Billy Madison. <laughs> All Another right. Reference. Zach, what, what, what are you going to go next? 200, 400, 600, 800. Let's drop it on a 200. Let's get that easy for Ben. All right. <laughs> Kyle, 19, you mean. 1942, the Battle of Midway. <laughs> Kyle. Kyle, what is it? World War II. You got World it. Kyle. Yeah, Kyle. And Kyle, Kyle's not going to control the board. So what do you want? 400, 600, 800. 800. All right, 800. 1951, the Battle of Heartbreak Ridge. Zach. What you got? Korean War. That is correct. The Korean War. <sighs> Dang it. You. 400, 600. You win. <laughs> win. 400. 1814, the Battle of Lake Champlain. Zach. What do you got? War of 1812. Correct. Thank you. Look at this kid. All right, we got one more, 600, 1898, the Battle of San Juan Hill. Kyle. What do you got? Spanish-American War. It's true. Nice, Kyle. All right, so you Good couldn't one. quite catch up. Catch up. I got to say, Brom, not a great showing on this Sorry. week's episode. Not a, not a war or history buff. Uh, I, right. I used to teach early American history, so. I was gonna say Zach was always studying that in college. So well, that's I why knew I knew. That's we why I knew. SOL. Yeah, that's why I knew the hundred America, hundred years war because it's super early American history, like really early. It's one of those <laughs> if it wasn't timed and I, I'd, I'd come around to it because I could think about it. Uh, well, it's after Civil War. Blah blah blah. blah. I'd, I'd, right, I'd yeah. got. I'd got to it. All right, I'm gonna do some quick. Uh, some quick other stuff. The film is a, co- a series of collaborations. So the second collaboration between Woody Harrelson and Roland Emmerich. So 2012 was that one. Uh, so what do you think about John Cusack? Who could he have played? Oh, God. I feel like he looked like John Ford, kind of. I feel like he could have played that director. Okay. Right. He could have. But then you would have been like, wait, was that just John Cusack? In this <laughs> that happened a lot in this movie. Extremely minor role. No, just make him one of the people that just died really quick. Good idea. What about Dennis Quaid and Roland Emmerich? They were they were in The Day After Tomorrow with Jake Gyllenhaal. What about that one? Jake, Jake he could be Dick Bass. He, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Really? That's pretty good. Oh, do you think it's, he should be a McCluskey type character? Man, Jake Gyllenhaal. I don't know. I don't think I agree with those. Maybe he's the uh, the wingman for Dick Best. He could do oh, a lot he of things. Sucked right under the plane. <laughs> Not that wingman. The actual uh, co-pilot. The <laughs> yeah, gunner. The co-pilot. The gunner. The gunner. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so Mandy Moore and Dennis Quaid, they were in a film called American Dreams with Hugh Grant, but most importantly, Chris Klein from American Ooh. Pie. So both Hugh Grant and Chris Klein, who are they? Chris Klein could play... Um, Dick Best. Yeah, Dick Best, absolutely. Or McCl- I think he might have been a good McCluskey too. Kind of like not as major of a role, but kind of on the side being like, yeah, hey, McCluskey. He could have been uh, the rival too that uh, got shot down. And then Hugh Grant? Uh, Hugh Nimitz? Grant. <laughs> I feel like it'd be. I think it'd be hard to have a, a British. I'd like. Yeah, there weren't play. any British characters in this, really. British actors? Yeah, sure. Evans. Evans is. I mean, I think a bunch of the main characters were British actors, but no, no British characters. I see what you're saying. Right. 
And then obviously the most important collaboration, this was the, the second collaboration between Ed Harris and uh, Nick Jonas. Um, now it wasn't a movie they collaborated. They were originally in a boy band together. It was called CDT. Do you know, does anyone remember what CDT stand for? Their boy band? CDT. What was those, uh, What was that again? What I've got an idea, but I'm not going to say it. Well, it, it, it stood for Cream Dream Team, right? Oh, so okay. CDT. And it included Ed Harris. He was called Cream for his smoky, soothed voice and all the cream he rubbed on his rippling abs, right? And then Dream was Nick Jonas because he was real dreamy, um, but also he had a debilitating case of narcolepsy. That was kind of a shtick on stage. Uh, and then Team was actually Christian Bale because he was the glue that held the team together. Um and yeah, they had that famous one hit. They were really a one hit wonder with the Cream Dream Team. The self-titled Cream Dream Team, the song that was on their uh, initial release, uh, which is the um, Cream Dream Team. That was it was a self-titled. I can't get over you just saying Cream Dream. <laughs> Cream Dream Team. <laughs> My word. Yeah. I would make them all of our Japanese generals. It's a good idea. So it'd be basically like a um, cream dream team, like uh, whatever they call it, like when they reunite and do yeah. like a new tour, a like reunion, kind of a reunion tour, yeah, yeah, for this for this movie. All right, and then quickly, Phantom Zone. Engage the Phantom. Um, well, this one's pretty easy because me and Kyle, we cozied up together in a darkened movie theater to enjoy the visual splendor of Aquaman. Oh, if you remember that on. one. All right. We did. Sure. We watched Aquaman together. Didn't we? Or no? No, we did not. I saw that in theaters by myself. I think I must have saw it in theaters by myself too, but you were, you were next to me in spirit. Okay. And, uh, but we, so we, we did both get to enjoy the visual splendor of Patrick Wilson in both that film and Midway. And so... Not only in that film do we have Dolph Lundgren and Willem Dafoe, and that's they had Life Aquatic, Agent Red, Blackwater, these other films, but also Nicole Kidman, who was in Batman Forever. And that one's a perfect one for a micropod in the future, because at one point, the Batmobile becomes a submarine. It kind of like jettisons off its wings. love to be in on that one. And it cruises, and it's a terrible movie. It almost immediately gets destroyed by a torpedo. It's great. Uh, So anyways, the movie features Tommy Lee Jones, and that takes us back to one of the worst films I've ever seen, Mechanic Resurrection, which I've used a whole bunch of times uh, in these Phantom Zones. And that's it, Phantom Zone. And I'm... Awesome. Audi. It's impressive. It's impressive. I can't believe that all these, well, I guess all these people are just working. You can't just do one sub movie, right? No, no, no. No way. Would you, Kyle? Would I ever just do one? If, But I mean, would you do one or would you do 50? Come on. All right. If it was my own movie that I was directing, the one I'm writing right now, <laughs> yes, I would do, because it's going to be the best that anyone's ever seen. And no, I won't let you know what it's about yet, but think Waterworld. Time travel. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Not like that one with Brian Cranston. Uh, yeah, that's... I'd do one, and then I'd probably get the itch and be like, I'm going to do 100 of these. Just or like this podcast, yeah, right? Or at least 99 of them. At least 99. <laughs> All right. Brom, do you have a countdown for us? I do, gentlemen. Tube three, ready to fire, sir. Commence the countdown. Four, three, two, one. Yeah. 
give it to me. As we know, uh, COVID-19 is sweeping the nation. And it is important for everyone to uh, do what they can to uh, obviously shelter in place where, where possible and to, you know, take care of your immune system. Um, so obviously uh, have a good diet and, you know, you can still go outside and exercise and wherever possible, you know, you can supplement your diet with uh, some vitamins and nutrients. So tonight I'm sharing the top five vitamins actually worth taking. And this is from a place for mom, senior living blog. Nice. Uh, we've, we've had some, uh, some support from Dana in the past from a place mm-hmm. for mom. Uh, but, but tonight we're, uh, we're working with Lauren Storm. Uh, if you need to find a place for your mom, contact a senior living advisor at 866-333-2174. Great. That's not, a, not a sponsor, technically, I don't think. No. Not we're yet. sponsoring them. Uh, vitamins amazing. become more significant to our health as we age, especially when we reach age 50 and above, and above, ages that are particularly vulnerable to COVID-19. I added that part in there. But with so many supplements available to us, it can be difficult to make out which vitamins are actually worth taking. Number five, omega-3 fatty acids, EPA and DHA. Aside from the well-publicized heart-healthy and brain-healthy benefits, Omega-3s have been shown to reduce the symptoms of dry eye syndrome, which is reported to affect a majority of Americans over the age of 65. And if your eyes are dry, you might touch your eyes, and that's how you got COVID-19. So get those omega-3 fatty acids in you. That's good. You take them? No. Figured. Actually, I do. I think it's in a lot of fish. I take two fish oil pills every day. All right. Number four, vitamin B12. B12 helps keep the body's nerve and blood cells healthy. It also plays a role in preventing anemia and even memory loss. Number three is magnesium. No, wait, wait. I'm sorry, Ben. Yeah. yeah. What was number four? Vitamin B12. Now, is that the one that impacts your uh, semen levels? Uh, It doesn't say anything about that here. Uh, That could have something to do with that this being... This article being designed for 60-year-old folks and older who aren't Just really checking. concerned about their semen levels. So I'm not sure. Number three was magnesium. Helps to regulate blood sugar levels. And there's strong evidence that it can be helpful in the treatment of type 2 diabetes. It is also important for bone density, blood pressure, and muscle and nerve function. Number two is zinc. Zinc is essential for at least 100 enzymatic reactions throughout the body. It plays a crucial role in immunity, wound healing, and a proper sense of taste and smell. I need to jump in about zinc. I need, okay. to, I need to put in a plug. I swear by zinc therapy for common colds and stuff like that. I take it. I am stocked up. I've got like six bottles. Um, Zycam is the name brand form of zinc-based cold therapy. That stuff's crazy expensive. Don't get that stuff. Get the off-brand stuff. The wall, the wall, um, the wall cam from Walgreens or Walmart's version uh, works wonders. I love it. There you go. Look at that. Also, question: Not a sponsor. Dicam? Definitely yeah. not. Two sh- just, name brands. Just what, about, what about? Yeah, is it zinc? Is just Walgreens? Zinc. Zach's zinc. <laughs> the Zinc Association of America is putting money in the pockets of Zach, it is important for us to note that here. This is, a sponsor. this is sponsored content. <laughs> Wait, Big Zinc? <laughs> big yeah, Zinc the has big, you the under the thumb? The Big Zinc thumb? industry, yep. 
They 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 got to us, guys. Zam. Number one. Anybody anybody want to take a guess on this one? This is one. This yeah, is the one that I, I do supplement it. with. Go ahead. I know what it is. It's yep. found in Monster Energy Vitamin B six. <laughs> Leave it to Kyle to bring up Monster Energy drink. Not a but sponsor. That is, that is incorrect. It is actually calcium. Oh. Hmm. It's essential, especially to women, to pre- prevent bone loss that leads to osteoporosis after menopause. But it is also important for men who may experience bone loss in later years as well. Dr. Lindsay Jones Bourne recommends taking it with vitamin D to maximize absorption, which is something I do because I have some lactose intolerance and I need to get calcium in me. But thank you very much to A Place for Mom Senior Living blog. This was the top five vitamins actually worth taking. I liked it, Ben. That was good stuff. Thank do they you. Have an, do they have an updated list yet of the hottest older actors or whatever that we No, read I before? think they've actually taken it down. Oh. Are you serious? Come uh, on. I tried to find it, and I could not find it anymore. Uh, the, the writer is still there, uh, but... They appear to have taken it down. I don't know. Maybe if more people have maybe died on that list, I'd have to go back and look at it. But yeah, the bench it might is a little, be too little difficult for right them now. to keep it updated. <laughs> right. That's it. I loved it. It was good. Yeah. Super good. <laughs> and then on to everyone's favorite... Kyle, wait, you don't have anything? Don't you don't, anything you don't have subs worldwide? I don't have subs worldwide, <laughs> you, you didn't get one sub from World War II. No, I did not. Let me type in. I'm going to type in rarest sub. Rarest Thank you. Rarest WW2 sub. submarine. We need something. We'll see what's the rarest one. I'm still not oh, a rare World War II. So, oh, ooh. We're not getting serious until submarine? episode 100 on this podcast. Yeah. That's when everything really... It's big. U.S. submarine that vanished on its first mission was found on August 5th of 2019. The USS Grunion. That sounds dirty. The, the Grunion? The Grunion. It's like a grungy onion. It's like a grungy onion. That's a, what an onion looks like after... It, an onion turns into a grunion when it's been in your house for like 10 days. Right. But it, So it's a Gatto class. You already did that one though, right? I know. I've done a lot of these. Done a lot of these. Um, I don't know if there's... Is there a hundred different types of subs in the world? Oh, yes. I, I oh, bet yes. there is. Come on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sounds like a countdown to me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm going to blow out that... Uh, did you ever do a macro class? That was the one that preceded the grunion. Save that for the macro pod. Yeah. Macro <laughs> oh, class. The macro pod. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Fine, Kyle. You're off the hook. I'm off the hook, man. It was preceded right. by the Tambor class. The macro was preceded by the Tambor. It's preceded give by me, the Sargo class. Give me those Zach facts. Zach facts, it's Zach facts when you're going, when you're going down. down. Zach, Zach, Zach facts when you're going, going down. down. Zach facts. Guys, we got a lot of facts. A lot of facts. Stay in your seats. Park the car wherever you're listening to your podcast. Get out of the tub. Sit down on the floor on your towel. Listen to these Zach facts. I've got <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six facts for you. What? Oh, wow. Get ready. Get unprecedented. Get 
ready. The facts are coming for you. Number one. Can you guys tell that we've been off work? (laughs) (laughs) I got 28 facts. Still can't get get an episode out on time. (laughs) Yeah, talking about that. It's like a hundredth episode. Yeah, I got a hundred Zach facts for you. (laughs) (laughs) Let's take a Zach fact from every episode. Um, Anyways, fact number one. The first cut of the movie was previewed on the heels of the hashtag MeToo movement and had all the Japanese roles as American women, but this idea was scrapped. (laughs) Which leads me to fact number two. All the Japanese soldiers were actually played by Chinese actors. When asked about this choice, the director, Roland Emmerich, said he knew American audiences wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh. Fact number three. Roland Emmerich originally wanted to make the main character, Richard Dickbest, fictional with the name Richard Dick Cass who would be Russell Cass's father. Now, does anybody know who Cass. Russell Cass is? Russell no, Cass. Like Papa Cass and Mama Cass? <laughs> no. Russell Cass <laughs> flew planes in Vietnam. Mm. He would later go on to save the entire world in Independence Day. <laughs> oh. I, I pulled him up and I was like, oh, there he is. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Randy Quaid. Yes, Randy freaking Quaid. Fact number four. Speaking of Quaid's, Dennis Quaid's rash was real and infected the entire cast because he was known for sleeping in other actors' bed as a joke. (laughs) That's a good joke. Wakes up. Oh, got you. Oh, Dennis. You got got Quaided, bro. (laughs) Fact number five. The first take of Nick Jonas's character featured his stunt double who could not untie the knot after he was thrown into the ocean. The second <laughs> take was shot in a swimming pool for safety. Hmm. <laughs> well, guess he's gone. <laughs> oh, my word. Fact number six and the last fact, if you're still listening. Aaron Eckhart walked by Woody Harrelson on set and called him Admiral Chester Nimwitz as a joke. (laughs) Woody punched Aaron in the face and was quoted saying, you a bad man and the real Nimwit. Stay fucked. I'm Woody Harrelson. (laughs) (laughs) And there you go. That's the Zach facts. Wow. Wow. Woody, <laughs> savage. Stay fucked, listeners. Thank you for listening to Submersion. Don't forget to subscribe for new episodes every Thursday. If you like what you heard, please leave us a rating wherever you listen. Want to interact with us? 
Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We also love to get messages from all of you. If you have a suggestion, a comment, or just anything you'd like to share, please email us at maceaststudios at gmail.com. 